Welcome to episode 20 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. If we were to use, for example, antimicrobial mouthwashes every day thinking we need to kill all this bacteria, we're going to have a very unhealthy mouth. Just like the same thing if you would take an antibiotic every day because you wanted to prevent disease, you would be a pretty sick person because you're going to kill all kinds of good bacteria. I see a patient, they have gum disease, we need to treat the acute problem like any physician would treat an acute problem. I'm not going to tell a patient to eat healthy when they have swelling and abscess and all kinds of acute infection in their mouth. We need to treat it. We need to treat it and maybe treat it in a more traditional way to get this infection under control. But what I tell my patients is that once we get under control or as we get begin to get things under control, we need to feed the body what it needs. The dental plaque around the tooth margin has a biological function that has always been there for eons. If we look at skeletal remains from 20,000 to 10,000 years ago, scientists, which are, the science is brilliant, but scientists can do DNA testing now and identify the bacteria around the gum tissues. There is calcified dental plaque, which is tartar or calculus, on these skeletal remains. Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome back, my Summit for Wellness podcast listeners. It has been a while. I know I have been on a little trip exploring different parts of Colorado and Utah, um, going to some of the the uh, national parks out there and going on some other trips and kind of exploring the area and meeting with a couple outdoor companies in that region. So I have been playing, um, which is kind of funny because the environment is very... Uh, deserty, which is not who I am at all. I am much more of a winter type of person, surprisingly enough. I love the snow. Uh, so it was a little little cultural shock to me, but um, I survived, and I am rejuvenated, and I am back and excited to bring more content to all of you. And I realized on that trip that I need to be a lot more consistent with these podcasts, and that is going to be my goal for the rest of this year and leading into uh, 2018, since that is just around the corner, um, which I am still just baffled by because this year has flown by. But anyways, let's get into this episode. Um, and today I am actually bringing on a different realm of the functional medicine spectrum because typically we talk about medicine uh, or whether it's nutrition or somewhere along those lines. But this time we will be talking about oral health. So I brought on uh, Dr. Al Dannenberg, who is a periodontist, um, so that we can talk a little bit more about uh, functional medicine approach to our oral health, which is extremely important and a lot different than uh, what we've grown up uh, being told and what we currently do in our daily lives. So it, it was actually a very fun podcast for me to do. Um, Al is a fantastic speaker. He kept me really engaged and entertained the entire time, so I think you all will really enjoy it too. Before we get into the episode, let's briefly talk about one of the adaptogenic supplements that I really like to use, especially um, if I need a little energy boost, but still keep my cells really healthy, and that is Hanna One, and you can add that into your coffees, your teas, um, your smoothies, anything really, or you can eat it straight. Uh, so if you haven't tried it, go to summitforwellness.com slash Hannah, that's H-A-N-A-H, and give it a try. Now, let's get right to the show. 
When we are looking at health through a functional and primal lens, typically we think of the food we eat or even the medicines we use to create a healthy balance within our body. But one of the areas that we tend to not think about is the state of our oral health and how that can be a lens into the state of the rest of the body. And this is why we are bringing on our guest today, Dr. Al Dannenberg. He has been a periodontist for over four decades and believes that his laser-based protocol, along with an ancestral diet, are revolutionizing the treatment of gum disease. In addition to being a periodontist, he is also a certified functional medicine practitioner, adapt trained health professional, and a certified primal health coach. Welcome to... Dr. Al Dannenberg to the show. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the invitation. It's fun. I appreciate you coming on because I don't get the opportunity to talk to a whole lot of people about oral health. So this should be a lot of fun for me. Fantastic. Me too. So can you kind of go into your background a little bit? Like what brought you to this point, um, especially coming from uh, the dental background? What brought you into this ancestral realm? So I guess you need to know a little bit about where I am in my life. Um, I'll be 71 years this coming April. So I have a few years behind me. And I have been practicing periodontics as a specialist for 43 years. I have wow. been trained traditionally. I have been practicing traditionally, which means if, if your listeners have ever been to a periodontist, yes. I have done periodontal surgery and opened the gum tissues and treated the bone and created swelling and discomfort and all kinds of aggravation for patients. I have changed the way I do things today. Um, actually, I've changed them as far back as six or seven years ago. But it wasn't only, uh, I didn't understand ancestral nutrition until maybe four to five years ago. And it has been an eye-opener. It saved my life. And I believe it is helping every patient that I treat who accepts this concept. Now, most people don't because of their backgrounds and variety of reasons. But the people that embrace some of the knowledge I'm trying to um, suggest to them to learn, and they do some independent research, it's made a huge difference. So here's what happened to me. At the age of 59, I had a stroke. So at that point, from, that, from the beginning of time until then, I thought I was healthy. I did everything that you would think a person that was health conscious should do. So I ate low fat foods and high carbs and lots of fiber. Um, didn't eat very many vegetables because I didn't like them. I exercised aerobically maybe an hour a day, four or five days a week, and I was going along my merry way, and at the age of 59, I had a stroke. So this stroke was kind of strange. Um, it was a situation where I basically couldn't speak. Now, what's interesting, if you've ever seen a person that has a stroke, all of a sudden their, their speech slurs. It doesn't necessarily mean that your body can't function well or the muscles are not working or you pass out. I just couldn't speak. The words came out like na na na. I, I couldn't make any sense out of my vocabulary. I was completely in tune with my faculties. I just couldn't speak. Scary life, scary situation. My wife is a registered nurse. She knew exactly what was happening, went to the hospital, and obviously I was diagnosed with an acute stroke. So the doctors saved my life. They put me on seven medications, again, this is the age of 59, that I needed to take for the rest of my life. That didn't cut it with me. So I decided to get educated about what I thought would be a healthy nutrition and lifestyle, although my doctors had no answers for me. So I did my research. I went to the organizations that are medical organizations that you would expect to go to for information, like the American Health uh, Heart Association, the American Diabetic Association, and all kinds of organizations that should be 
identifying a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle to be healthy. So I started living the way these people, these organizations suggested. And from the age of 59 until about 66, I did what I did. And then at the age of 66, I was fortunate to find a five-day course that was called Intensive Nut Nutrition Intensive for Health Professionals. And it was given at the Kropalo Center for Yoga and Health of all places. So I took the course and I thought it was going to really hone in on all the wonderful things I was learning and just confirm that I was on the right track. So the first speaker of this five-day course, there were maybe eight, ten speakers, something like that. The first speaker was talking about ancestral nutrition and lifestyle. And these terms I never even heard of in my entire life. And that blew me away. The first person that ever made sense to me was speaking to me at this meeting. So the, for the next five days, there were a variety of other speakers. I learned an awful lot of information. And I called my wife in Charleston, South Carolina, just before I was coming home. And I said, Sue, we are going to make some changes. So when I got home, the two of us bumped heads a little bit. And she said, I'll give you 30 days. So I literally cleaned out my pantry, my freezer, my refrigerator with all the foods that were processed and unhealthy. I accumulated seven bags of groceries, took them to the food bank, and basically we had no food in the house. So we started buying wild-caught um, fish and pastured animal products, um, organic vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds, and I completely eliminated grains and free sugars and legumes and milk, processed milk products, um, processed sea, uh, 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 oil and fats. And I started what would be almost a paleo-like diet. I changed my life. And that started in, uh, when I was 66. From 66 until now, and I am a work in progress, I'm starting my fifth year of re-energizing myself, re-engineering myself. Um, I've lost almost 30 or 35 pounds without even trying to be on a diet. But you know, when you eat nutritious anti-inflammatory foods, your hormones balance, your brain gets told different things, new signals come to your brain, and all of a sudden, you're losing excess weight. So I'm losing weight. Um, I am now on only two medications rather than seven, and I'm weaning off of those. I am healthier today than I have ever been in my life, and I'm almost 71 years old. So I figured that this information that was so beneficial to me has to be good for other people. So I tried to integrate it with the treatment of gum disease. And I also was using some cutting-edge treatment with a laser procedure that didn't involve cutting tissues and using stitches. And I was getting significantly better results with no pain for patients. So I was putting all of this together. And also, I was trying to get more educated. So I became a certified functional medicine practitioner, certified primal health coach. I went through Chris Kresser's ADAPT program and a variety of other things. So. I am understanding and learning for myself and hopefully educating my patients that the gut is the critical spot for everything that happens and anything and everything that goes into our mouth and is absorbed by our body is affecting our overall health and chronic disease starts in the gut and spreads throughout the body and periodontal disease and tooth decay are just two examples of chronic disease. And this is why I do what I do. I hope that wasn't too long for you. No, that's great. And the really fascinating piece about that is you have learned more in the last five to six years than most professionals learn in their entire career. I know that. And it's so sad because in my dental career, and of course I was educated in just around the, uh, the, the year that the wheel was invented, but I was educated a long time ago. And I had none of the nutritional background that I needed to have. My, my nutritional course was maybe eight hours during the entire four years of my dental career. So, and no nutrition in my periodontal tra specialty training. 
And even today, I don't think nutrition is really being taught so much in dental school or medical school, which is kind of, is definitely sad. And, and, and you're right, in the last five years or so, I have learned more in a, than a lifetime of professional education. And as a professional, a, a dentist and medical doctors, we need to take a, a certain number of continuing education hours of cre uh, credit every year just to stay, keep our licenses um, up to date. But there are very few, if any, nutritional or, or functional medicine courses that are available for the medical and dental professions. It's becoming a little more common now to, to search out some of these, but certainly four or five years ago, I couldn't find anything. And I didn't even know what I was looking for at that time. And this is why I seeked out to bring you onto the show because it's really hard to find anyone in the dental field that thinks along these this lines. Is true. So it's awesome Thank you. that you're putting all this into your own little package. Um, so one of the things you mentioned is you had about 30 days that your wife gave <laughs> you to make these changes. How long did it take once you switched over your diet before you really noticed a difference? Oh, well, it, it was even before 30 days. I, I was losing weight within the first two weeks, and I knew that something was actually happening in, in a very positive way because I had never lost weight before. I was about 187 pounds um, all along in my mostly adult life, I guess, certainly the last 20 plus years. And um, after the stroke, I was 187-ish, and up until the age of 66, 187-ish. And then all of a sudden, I started losing weight. Right now, I weigh about 100 and somewhere around 155, 157, depending on when I take my weight, when I weigh myself. Um, but I, I saw immediate results in the first 20, uh, 20 days. And you know, the interesting thing is that if you do some blood chemistries uh, and you go on a diet that certainly is restricting um, grains and free sugars and, and certainly trying to eliminate processed foods, the markers of a metabolic syndrome, a variety of, of blood chemistries, improve within 7 to 14 days. Amazing. Wow. Now, you may not get all the other benefits, and if you have other chronic diseases that um, unfortunately are manifesting in your body, you're not necessarily going to get cured in, in 14 days or, or 14 months, but you're going to, get, you're going to have improvement. And who knows how many diseases that you will prevent going out into the future. Because you know that disease, chronic disease just didn't start when I started eating a hamburger last week. It started when I was eating fast food at the age of 12, and it didn't manifest to a point where I could even identify a problem until maybe I was 30 or 35 years old. But the problem started way, way back, and your body is just a resilient organism. It just does what it can do, but it slowly is breaking down. All of a sudden, it gets to the point where there is a clinical manifestation of this chronic disease that's been ongoing for decades, and then you, as an individual, will say, I can't understand. All of a sudden, this happened, or all of a sudden, my blood pressure is high, or all of a sudden, my waist is getting bigger, or all of a sudden, I have these aches and pains and whatever. It wasn't all of a sudden. So any treatment of this kind of a problem must be viewed as a long-term process, and the irritants that you're creating by ingesting bad food and creating and creating an unhealthy lifestyle take many years and decades before they manifest. Yeah, and you talking about that just brings up um, ideas around one of the biggest illnesses we have right now, which is cancer. And cancer typically takes anywhere between 8 to 12 years to manifest, but when people find out that they have cancer, they think that it just sprang up overnight. They don't realize it's been working on this for a long time. Correct. So we also live in a society that isn't 
really looking forward to prevention. It's more about what do we do now that we have something. But the more we can get this information out that if we get started now, we can try to prevent these illnesses from occurring later on down the road, then hopefully people can jump on board and really start utilizing this in their lives. You're correct. And also, you never it's never too late. And I'm a perfect example because, again, I didn't start changing my life until the age of 66. And that was... What, what, what was seven years after a stroke. So I'm not saying that you have to have a life-threatening event before you do something, but unfortunately a lot of people do. They, they, have, to, they have to become self-motivated. And there, there are a number of ways to get self-motivated. And some people just need to know the knowledge is out there and they believe it and they'll do it. But a lot of people need a tipping point. They need maybe a life-threatening threatening event like I had and, and survive, obviously. Or maybe they uh, need to figure out all, all of a sudden they get a new job and they want to, they're so excited they want to change their life. Or they're moving into a new home or, or a, a new city and, and they want to make a change in their life. Or, or they just got married and they want to change their life. Or they're an older person like me and they just had a grandchild and they want to see the grandchild grow up to be an adult. Different things motivate people. You and I cannot motivate anybody. I can tell you that. But uh, you can impart some enthusiasm, maybe some knowledge, um, show your passion about something, and that may tip another person's thought process and say, you know, this is a good idea. Let me try this. So if they were to jump in and try it, they will be amazed. I don't think anyone who jumps into an ancestral nutrition and lifestyle paradigm would have a bad result. Some people will have better results than others, but the only result could be a positive result. Exactly. And everybody is bio-individuals. So what works for you might need to be slightly changed for someone else. And they just need to understand that you do have that little area that you need to play with when you are making a dietary change like this. This is true, but on the other hand, our genetics and cellular structure require certain nutrition and lifestyle uh, environment to thrive. And it's that way with the entire human species. So if you are placing toxic substances in the body, everybody's cells are affected, more so than some people more so than others, but everybody is affected. If you're eating foods that your body is unable to digest because there are the, they do not, the body doesn't have the proper enzymes to digest foods that are not typical for the genetic evolution that we are in at this point, then they, that individual and those cells are going to be jeopardized. Some people will have a more significant result than others, but everybody is going to be jeopardized. We need to understand that. There are certain things that just don't work for anybody. And then there are a variety of things that can work for anybody and everybody. Right. And I totally agree with that. So now that we uh, went off on that little soapbox about food, <laughs> how does yeah. this tie into oral health? Definitely. Well, you've got to visualize the mouth is just the beginning of a tube that goes all the way down and goes all kinds of goes into all kinds of convolutions and ends with the anus. And so this is the outside part of the body even though you, most people will think once you eat something it's inside your body. It's not inside your body. It's in this tube, this hollow tube that continues from the mouth to the anus. So if anything happens along this way, it affects all the different mucous membranes of all these areas of the tube. Now, there are different aspects to the mucous membranes in different parts of the tube, but it, they're still mucous membranes. They are affected by the same things. And if you have a problem in the bowel, and a large intestine, and you have a problem in the small intestine, why wouldn't you have a problem in the mouth? It's all part of this tube. So the interesting thing is that everything that we can absorb in our body through this tube will affect our body's energy. 
And although you can breathe certain things and you can absorb things through your skin, the major source of the nutrients that we need to survive and thrive come from the foods we eat. So if we're eating something that's wrong, or we're not eating the things that are right, and our bodies are affected, and the affected areas are in our gut, and you develop irritable bowel syndrome or um, inflammatory bowel disease, it can certainly manifest in, its, in the mouth. And there are wonderful science-based research pro, uh, papers that show that the, if there is a change in the bacteria in the gut, it changes the bacteria in the mouth. The mouth is loaded with bacteria, just like the gut is loaded with bacteria. We have 10 trillion human cells, but we have 100 trillion microbial cells. So what, what does this mean? And it means that the microbes in our body allow us to survive. And we need to keep them in a proper homeostatic state. The mouth that is full of bacteria is with this bacteria for a purpose. If we were to use, for example, antimicrobial mouthwashes every day, thinking we need to kill all this bacteria, we're going to have a very unhealthy mouth. Just like the same thing if you would take an antibiotic every day because you wanted to prevent disease, you would be a pretty sick person because you're going to kill all kinds of good bacteria. So disease generally is starting in the, in the gut because of a chronic inflammatory reaction, and the mouth is a recipient of this chronic inflammation. So the mouth is a critical factor. It's not necessarily the first stop on, on this continuum. I believe that the, that the majority, if not all, chronic disease begins with something happening in the gut. The food, the toxic elements, the nutrients that are not there, whatever, something is happening in the gut, in the lining, and it creates a chronic inflammatory state. Once the chronic inflammatory state begins, and it's systemic, the tissues of the mouth, especially the gum tissues and the bone structure that holds the teeth, these cells become more susceptible to breakdown. If you're eating unhealthy foods and the bacteria that is normal and healthy and balanced in the mouth is changing to a more pathogenic bacteria because the gut has been infected or, or become dysbiotic, then the foods that you're eating feed these pathogenic bacteria and now you develop periodontal disease. You do not develop periodontal disease because there's bacteria around the gum tissue, because there's lots of bacteria that serves a purpose around the gum tissue. But when they become unhealthy and unbalanced and they're fed with bad foods, then they become pathogenic. You can develop a nidus of infection under the gum tissue, just like you can develop a nidus of infection with dysbiosis in the gut. And now the gut is pouring into the bloodstream a chronic and creating a chronic inflammatory result. And the gum pocket that is infected is creating a chronic inflammatory result, penetrating the blood system through the, the gum pocket. You can develop a variety of other chronic diseases from these two nidises of infection. But you could have other nidises of infection. You can have lung abscesses. You can have any mucosal surfaces of the body breaking down, creating chronic infection that leaks and creates chronic inflammation in that area. And the, the entire body, unfortunately, is, is its playground. So the mouth is critical. But the gut is critical, and any areas of irritation or chronic infection are critical. This is all really great information, and it, it brings a lot of different questions up in my mind, especially compared to like traditional uh, periodontist practices. Sure. So if we take a look at that, which... Um, you know really well from about 10 years ago before you got into all this. How have you been able to change the way you practice by utilizing these different methods? Well, first of all, you know, 
I'm very passionate about what I'm doing and what I'm explaining to patients. So I, I see a patient, they have gum disease, we need to treat the acute problem like any physician would treat an acute problem. I'm not going to tell a patient to eat healthy when they have swelling and abscess and all kinds of acute infection in their mouth. We need to treat it. We need to treat it and maybe treat it in a more traditional way to get this infection under control. But what I tell my patients is that once we get under control or as we get begin to get things under control, we need to feed the body what it needs. One of the problems in dentistry, specifically in periodontics, which is the treatment of gum disease, it has always been thought that if you brush and floss, you will not have gum disease. And so many people go to the dentist every six months and they still have gum disease or they have bleeding gums and the hygienist will tell the patient, oh my goodness, you're just not brushing hard enough, you're not flossing frequently enough, go do it and everything will go away. Well, most of the time it doesn't go away because it's not the brushing and flossing that stops the disease. And it's not the lack of brushing or flossing that causes the disease. Let me, let me tell you two fascinating studies that were published, if you have some time. I have time. <laughs> In 2009, Dr. Baumgartner wrote a paper that was published, I think, in the Journal of Periodontology, which is a very re respectable journal. Um, and he reported on a, a, a study that was done in Switzerland with 10 people. These 10 people were placed in an area of Switzerland which was really remote, and they had to live the next 30 days like hunter-gatherers lived 5,700 years ago. They were not able to eat any processed foods. They, were, they only had the ability to hunt and fish and gather foods and roots and vegetables and whatever and cook them. They were given some basic ingredients to start with, but they had no processed foods whatsoever. So in the beginning of this study, the researchers cultured the bacteria on their tongue, the bacteria on the dental plaque, which is the film of bacteria around the teeth. They measured spaces between the gum and the teeth, which is a, a way to measure how deep gum infection is. And they measured if there was any bleeding from the gum tissue when it was touched with this little measuring device. So these are good parameters to identify if there's active disease. At the end of four weeks, the same measurements were done. These people had no processed food, only could eat healthy foods that were growing on the land or living on the land, and they could not brush or floss for 30 days. Not at all. So at the end of 30 days, the study was supposedly designed to show how much infection would develop if they couldn't clean their mouth. It turns out that after 30 days, there was gobs and gobs of bacteria, as you would expect, but when they did cultures, there were no pathogenic overgrowth of bacteria. And when they started to do measurements of the gum spaces, lo and behold, the measurements decreased significantly. And there was no bleeding on probing or measuring these pockets, which was a significant improvement. In other words, by eating a unprocessed diet, with no processed foods and no grains that are processed, sugars that are refined, anything that's bought and cooked from a package, they actually grew lots of bacteria that were healthy with no gum disease. That's a huge study. In 2016, Dr. Johann Wolber, who is a periodontist and researcher in Germany, did a similar study, but he had a better control. This was a randomized clinical trial, which is, you know, the gold standard of medical um, research. And he had 15 people that had active gum disease. And these 15 people ate a standard American diet, which is a bunch of junk. So the, that, and these, this was the requirement. They, they had to be unhealthy gum tissue and unhealthy diet. So five of the people were actually the control, 
and 10 were the experiment. The control group could not, they, they could continue to eat the foods that they ate, and they could continue to brush their teeth, but they could not clean between the teeth. In other words, they couldn't use any kind of a little brush to clean between the teeth or dental floss. The 10 people that were the experimental group also could brush their teeth. They could not clean between the teeth, but they had to change their diet, which was very restricted, to basically a paleo slash Mediterranean diet. In other words, all these processed foods and sugars were removed, lots of green vegetables and omega-3 fatty acids from uh, sardines and wild-caught fish and things like that were included. And at the end of four weeks, the measurement, well, they, they did the same parameters. They measured the gum pockets and, and signs of infection. And the measurements all significantly improved with the group that ate a healthier diet and significantly worsened with the group that continued their terrible diet, even though they, both uh, groups could not clean between the teeth. So again, this is showing that the diet is a critical factor to healthy gum tissue. So if a patient is coming into my office and they say, I have gum disease, and the hygienist says, well, you need to brush and floss hard, harder. That may be a very, very small part of it, but it's not the significant part. The significant part is what are you eating? I offer my patients a three-day food journal, which I give to my patients. They fill out this three-day food journal to identify all the foods that they're eating, the snacks that they're eating, and basic other factors during their life of three days, continuous days. And I will see them and evaluate what's going on. And 99% will tell me they eat healthy. And after we do this three-day food journal, guess what? Maybe 2 or 3% are eating healthy. So <laughs> the idea is to understand and educate patients that the food is the critical element. And, and I literally give them copies of a, my synopsis of these papers that I just explained to you and a few others to help them understand if they really want to dig into some research in, in, in a more colloquial way of writing it to understand diet and lifestyle are everything. And, and it's just not diet. It's sleep. It's exercise. It's the way you deal with stress. All of these things. As a matter of fact, I wrote a book called Crazy Good Living and I have a, a picture of a patient that had severe gum infection and swelling in the gum tissues, but there were no obvious signs of these uh, of dental plaque or other issues that caused this gum disease. We referred her to her medical doctor to, to have a variety of tests done to make sure that we're not dealing with some kind of a, a malignancy, which is what sometimes leukemia could look like in the mouth. So it turns out that this woman, after a period of appointments, came true to her problems and she told the, the dentist I was working with, I didn't see her personally, but the dentist I was working with, what, that she was being verbally and sexually abused by her employer. And she was a young lady, she was not married, and she had no ties to Charleston, but this was happening to her. My partner suggested and advised her to get out of this situation, to literally quit the job, even move out of town, see if she could find another job. She was very fortunate that she could do this. She left town, obviously left the employer, and all of this stress was gone. And she came back to the office about four months later, had no medical treatment, no dental treatment, and all of the gum lesions literally disappeared. And I have before and after pictures in my book. And what is amazing, and the reason I'm bringing this up to you, is that it's not just diet, although diet's critical. It is stress, and certainly psychological stress that you cannot deal with affects your gut and affects your mouth and affects your brain and affects everything. This woman was fortunate enough to 100% remove this stressful environment. And because of that, her gut improved, her bacterial balance improved, her hormonal balance improved, and her mouth improved. This is a very insignificant factor. So I try to impress my patients that brushing and flossing is certainly not everything that's, 
that is involved with gum disease. There are so many more elements. And that's what I try to impart with them, that we need to get a handle on these other elements and fix it. And you know, fixing gum disease the way I do can be expensive. But if you can do the things that are necessary, like eating a healthier diet and living a healthier lifestyle, which I kind of go over, it doesn't cost very much, if anything, and you can make huge changes in your mouth and the rest of your body. It's fascinating. Yeah, and I'm stoked. You brought up a really good point about the stress because in this really fast-paced uh, society that we live in, there's so much HPA uh, access dysfunction nowadays, and it, yes. it does. It disrupts the entire system. Yes. Um, and you also mentioned that some of these surgeries that you may do cost a lot of money, but a lot of people think food costs a lot of money, but if they actually go out and start doing a little bit more digging into farmers markets or meeting with local farmers, they can get a lot of these foods for a lot cheaper than you would typically think. Correct. And you can buy them in bulk and you can prepare them and freeze them. So there are a variety of things that you can do. And because the movement of going organic is so big today compared to five years ago, there are many more resources. And because the demand is there, I think the prices are coming down. You, you, you know, there are some discount places that you can purchase these. Even Walmart, which is a local Walmart near me, has a lot of organic vegetables and fruits. You would never have seen that five, seven years ago. So these things are available. And when you start thinking about doing a lot of your own preparation and maybe cooking on the weekend and freezing for the rest of the week, which I do with my wife. Um, number one, it's fun. And you can get other couples to do this. So it's social. So that's fun. But it, it is very practical. And it, it, if you're not going out to dinner every night, um, it's less expensive doing this than buying the processed foods and boxes and, and packages that have a, a trillion different chemicals that you can't even read or understand. Yeah, and fast food is no longer cheap anymore. If you go it's to not. any fast food restaurant, all of a sudden the prices are outrageous. And you can do a full organic meal with really high-quality meat and vegetables for a lot cheaper than fast food now, which is crazy to me. Well, and in addition, the less expensive meats that are more tough and more collagenous are actually more healthy. So if you cook these long time in a crock pot, for example you're getting basically bone broth as well as some uh, muscle meat. So this is really good stuff. And now you have multiple meals out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about... Um, so you kind of mentioned some of the myths with yeah. um, brushing and flossing and how that's supposed to get rid of any gum disease, but it doesn't necessarily do that. So can you go into just some ways that people can uh, work on their own oral health, sure, whether it's sure. diet-based, whether it's actually some other practices, like I don't know if you would do oil pulling or anything okay, like that. Okay, that's a great question because I want to talk about that. Um, let's talk about one other thing first, and that is dental plaque. Dental plaque is healthy until it's not healthy. The dental plaque around the tooth margin has a biological function that has always been there for eons. If we look at skeletal remains from 20,000 to 10,000 years ago, scientists, which are, the science is brilliant, but scientists can do DNA testing now and identify the bacteria around the gum tissues. There is calcified dental plaque, which is tartar or calculus, on these skeletal remains. And they can identify the variety of strains of bacteria that are in the dental plaque. But there is no gum disease, for the most part. There's no bone damage. And there's no tooth decay, rarely. There is sometimes for a variety of reasons. But there's very rare gum disease or tooth decay. So the plaque is not 
unhealthy, and it actually serves a purpose. The plaque does three major things. It maintains a, a relatively neutral acid level around the tooth. It creates, because there's maybe more than 700 unique species of microbes in dental plaque, it maintains its own army to fight off other pathogens that might invade the area. And it also is the recipient of nutrients from the saliva, and it kind of uh, loads it up in the plaque and, uh, and gives it out to the root surface to remineralize the tooth root 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So dental plaque is a very important protective biofilm around the tooth. It should not be removed. If it is removed, and it's removed all the time, like you could do with certain chemicals in the mouth, then you are losing a major benefit to the area. And you can create other diseases because the plaque is going to resist other problems. So if you were to, and the plaque will become unhealthy if, if it's becoming dysbiotic because the gut is going crazy and or the foods are feeding the bacteria, then it becomes dysbiotic, it becomes unhealthy and it has to be removed. Certainly the top layer of unhealthy bacteria needs to be removed. That's where good brushing and flossing or cleaning between the teeth will come in. But if you were, for an example, to be told, you know, we need to get rid of all this dental plaque, so you need to use some chemicals to remove this plaque all the time. And let's say the dentist and even physician is recommending to use an antimicrobial mouthwash every day to kill all this bacteria. Well, that's what you're going to do. You're going to kill all this bacteria. And you may develop other infections in your mouth because you're killing a lot of good bacteria. There's one thing that can actually happen, and there's some great papers that were just recently published that show the anaerobic bacteria on the top back part of your tongue play a significant role. First of all, these anaerobic bacteria, if you're eating a lot of foods that have sulfur, will help to prevent pr produce a bad odor in your mouth. So the overabundance of these anaerobic bacteria could be a problem, and you can scrape them off with a spoon or a tongue scraper. But those bacteria play an important role. If you eat, for example, a lot of green veggies like lettuce and whatever, there's natural nitrates in this lettuce. The nitrates that you eat, you chew up, you swallow, and much of it is absorbed into the bloodstream in the upper part of the small intestine. And about 25% actually gets incorporated into the salivary glands, and it comes out through the saliva. So the saliva that's pouring into your mouth is very, very rich in nitrates. The bacteria on the top of your tongue have a chemical reaction with the nitrates to form nitrites. You swallow the nitrites, of course you're not thinking about this, but you swallow the nitrites and then it goes into your system and through your gut and a variety of other methods that, that eventually create nitric oxide. And nitric oxide in its own right is critical for lowering your blood pressure and cardiovascular health and actually the health of the gum tissue. And there's some studies that show if you have low nitric oxide, you may have gum disease. And if you have higher nitric oxide, you may not have gum disease. So if you were to destroy the anaerobic bacteria on the top of your tongue by using a antimicrobial mouthwash every day, studies have shown that your nitric oxide, your systemic nitric oxide could be reduced by 25%. And there was a recent paper that was published maybe two or three months ago from a medical group that, that warned physicians who were treating high blood pressure patients but were not getting the result that medication was supposed to give them, 
that warned them to make sure these patients were not using an antimicrobial mouthwash because it significantly decreased nitric oxide, which is the natural means to reduce blood pressure. That's fascinating. So really when you mentioned oil pooling, you need to understand, and I'm only understanding this in the last couple of years because of the new research, if you use oil pooling and you use it every day for the time that is recommended, like 20, 10 to 20 minutes, you are destroying, absorbing, killing almost all the bacteria in your mouth. That's not healthy. I have a friend who runs a um, medical lab that does oral bacterial testing. And they, he was telling me that they've had several patients that had cultures of their mouth, and it's almost unculturable, meaning they can't find many bacteria in the mouth. And these people are using oil pooling for 20 minutes a day. And if you don't have the healthy bacteria, you are creating potential problems down the road. That is fascinating. I it never is. would have thought of that, actually. Yeah. Now, I, I, I recommend oil pooling. I recommend oil pooling and antimicrobial mouthwashes as a therapeutic measure if we need to control an, an acute bacterial infection in the mouth we need to get it under control. There are a variety of things that I have to do and the patient needs to do to get a healthy environment to, to reduce the overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria. But once we do that, this antimicrobial therapeutic regimen needs to stop. Just like if you needed an antibiotic you because you had a life-threatening abscess situation, and if you didn't have the antibiotic, you could die. Yeah, there are problems with antibiotics, but it could be life-saving. You need to be on this antibiotic, but not for life. You need to get control and then hope to hopefully restore your mouth and restore the healthy bacterial um, components in your gut. So it's critical to get under control, but it is also critical to not go crazy and try to destroy bacteria all the time. That's not a healthy thing to do. So one myth is um, dental plaque is, is unhealthy and you have to get rid of it at all costs, and that's not true. The other myth is brushing and flossing will certainly take care of gum disease. That's not true on a, as a 100% statement. And you should use an antimicrobial mouthwash to keep your mouth healthy and clean. That's not true at all. So there are three myths right there. So now that we know the myths, what do we do about it? <laughs> okay, so, so in reality, the two studies I told you, if you eat a nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet, you are golden. You don't have to know the biochemistry of any of this stuff. You just need to eat the, the, the proper foods. Get, you know, I, I have some diagrams. Sometimes people are very visual. I'm very visual. So if I can see it in a picture, it makes a lot more sense. I have a diagram of a, a circle. I call it a plate of food. Every meal you eat, every breakfast, lunch, dinner, if you're eating all those meals, and you certainly don't have to, you only have to eat when you're hungry, um, either snacks or don't eat snacks, but think of anything that you're eating as a round plate of food. If you're drinking something, that's part of this round plate. More than half of the round plate of food should be non-starchy vegetables. They could be either raw or sauteed or whatever not fried necessarily, obviously, but more than half the plate. So if you had a smoothie, a green smoothie that is included in this more than half a plate of a leaf, um, um, non-starchy vegetables, less than a quarter should be a good quality animal protein and the healthy fats that are associated with it. Um, and within the vegetable, more than half of the uh, plate vegetables, also healthy fats that could be used to saute. And then the other quarter or less than quarter could be maybe a starchy tuber like a sweet potato or maybe some nuts and seeds that ideally have been soaked so you can get rid of the phytic acids that are on the surface. Um, maybe some fruit, especially citrus or berries, which are very healthy. 
those those kinds of things should be on every plate that you eat and there's a huge amount of variety that in, is included in any of those three sections so what I tell my patients is this is the way you need to eat and that's going to help your gum disease but what are you going to do with your mouth what, what you will do with your mouth is clean it properly so you would brush at the gum line with a soft bristle type of toothbrush scrubbing into the gum surface just like you would if you looked at where the wall meets the floor there's a little crevice and that's where dust and dirt accumulate you'll take a little scrub brush at a 45 degree angle scrubbing it horizontally to get rid of the the, the buildup you do the same thing where the gum meets the tooth so you take the toothbrush put the bristles in a 45 degree angle down on the bottom teeth up on the upper teeth on the gum side the cheek side and the tongue side and you scrub lightly because the plaque, the, the unhealthy plaque, remo is removed very easily. It doesn't get washed off with water, but the, scrub, the brush will take care of it very, very nicely and easily. And you do that throughout your mouth. I use an electric toothbrush because I'm very lazy, so electric toothbrushes are very efficient. And they even have timers, so it tells you when to stop. Very, very nice. Um, you don't have to use toothpaste. You don't, toothpaste is totally unnecessary, but if you want toothpaste, what I recommend is to dip the toothpaste, I mean the uh, toothbrush, in a little bit of coconut oil and a little bit of baking soda. That little bit of coconut oil, using it for a short period of time, is not going to kill all the bacteria and devoid your mouth of healthy bacteria. So that's not the problem. So I would use the coconut oil as well as the baking soda. Baking soda helps to neutralize the acid in the mouth. It also is slightly a um, abrasive, very, very light abrasive, so it actually can clean the surface of the tooth nicely and scrub whatever needs to be scrubbed off without irritating the root and without irritating the gum tissue. Um, and that's how I would brush. I would clean between the teeth. Dental floss is okay. It's not so great. Um, I would clean in between the teeth with dental floss to remove anything that's stuck between the contacts of the teeth, but I would use a little type of brush, almost like a little baby brush, a bottle br baby bottle brush, only it's very, very, very tiny that fits between the teeth. There are two brands that I really like. One is called um, the Soft Pick by Gum, and the other is Smart Pick by a company called TP, T-E-P-E. -E. You can get these over the internet or you can actually get them in most drugstores. They're little silicone, um, silicone type of brushes. There's, there's no latex in it that actually have, has many, many fibers that really can scrub the plaque, the unhealthy plaque off where the gum meets the tooth. So that's what I would do. To remove- What do you mm -hmm. think of um, the water picks? Okay. Let's get into the, okay, well, let me talk about the tongue first, and then let's get into the water pick. So the okay. tongue, the back surface on the top of the tongue does have a lot of anaerobic bacteria that is necessary, but when it overgrows, it creates an odor. So 90% of the odor in your mouth, if you don't have active gum disease, 90% of the odor in your mouth is actually coming from the, the top part of the back of the tongue. So if you take a spoon and invert it, and then put it all the way back and touch the top of your tongue almost to the point where you want to gag and then press the spoon on the tongue and pull forward you will literally scoop up this surface bacteria and a lot of dead or decaying particles of food and you'll see this little film that you'll wash off obviously and you'll do it a few times maybe in the first thing in the morning last thing at night and you'll remove some of the unhealthy overgrowth of bacteria on the tongue. So that's the way to clean your mouth. Brush correctly, floss, and certainly use this, these little cleaners that go between the teeth and um, clean the surface of your tongue. Now let me tell you about water picks. From a conceptual point of view, water picks make a lot of sense. Think about a uh, leaf blower on the back of a, your house. Let's say if you have a deck and there's lots of trees and the leaves are falling in the fall, you have leaves everywhere on the deck. So you take a leaf blower and obviously all of the leaves get spread, pushed aside and, and off the deck. But let's say you use that leaf blower and you just use it at the right angle 
where you can push the leaves into a 90 degree corner on the deck. Can you visualize this? I can. Okay, so what <laughs> happens is you're packing the leaves. It's not dispersing anymore. You're packing it into this 90 degree corner. So let's think about a water pick. The water pick is a, it's a jet of water, and most people that use a water pick, it's usually from, uh, the, you can set it from 0 to 10, and everybody wants to do 8, 9, or 10 because it's much, much more pressure. So you use this high-pressure water spray. You're angling it under the gum tissue, and as you angle it around and under the gum tissue, you will get to a, an angle that you don't realize that you're literally pushing microscopic debris down this gum space. Well, the gum space is like a funnel. It gets narrower as it goes deeper. So you're packing in bacteria and food debris that you want to flush away, but you're actually making it deeper. That's creating a problem. The other problem with a water pick is that because you're, most people use it at a high uh, pressure intensity, it is very sharp. If you use the water pick on your skin, you could actually cut your skin. It, it's really sharp. So if the gum tissue were infected and the water pick were actually, was actually doing what it was supposed to be doing and removing the bacteria and the tissues wanted to heal, and you use the water pick twice a day in the morning and in the evening with this high speed, you are cutting and severing the epithelial cells that are trying to heal. Just like if you had a scab on your arm and you picked at it every day, it wouldn't heal properly, and if it finally healed, it would scar. So what's happening under the gum, if, if you're really removing the bacteria, which you won't, but if you could have done that, you're now preventing the gum cells to try to heal themselves. And now you'll create a clefting that will be even more difficult to keep clean because the gum cells are healing in an unhealthy way. Does that make sense? I don't like the water pick. I never recommend a water pick. If you have gum disease that's that, steep, that, that is that deep, there are better ways, like a laser, which will treat it and heal the gum, and even the laser procedure, which I use, which is called LANAP, and it stands for Laser-Assisted New Attachment Procedure, it actually stimulates new bone cells to grow with just the laser light. We don't have to cut the gum. We don't have to stitch the gum. Patients go back to work the next day. There's no swelling. There's no pain. Patients are smiling at me rather than cursing at me. It's amazing. It's the best technique to treat advanced gum disease with damage to the bone that is in existence today. And I used to do all the traditional surgeries with bone grafting and all kinds of chemicals putting in, in under the gum to stimulate bone, and the patient certainly would be suffering for three to four weeks. Not anymore. Al, you are blowing me away with a lot of these different <laughs> uh, ways to help your oral health. I'm going to have to start using uh, or changing my own routine a little bit, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you use a water pick, I would caution If you want to use a water pick, I would caution you to use it at a setting of maybe two, three, or four at the, at the highest so you're not shooting sharp streams of water under the gum. And um, if you're not brushing the way I suggested, try to do it. And if you don't use these little soft picks or smart picks that go between the teeth, Check them out on the internet. They are awesome. I think that they are the best thing to keep the tissues healthy. But if you really want to be healthy, eat a nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet. I don't care what you call it. Just eat, don't eat the junk. Don't eat processed grains. Don't eat processed sugars. Don't eat processed seed oils. And uh, if you can't avoid it, don't eat processed foods in general. So what I'm going to do for the listeners is I'm going to create a little uh, download that the listeners can get that has some of these oral health practices that they can get started with. So you can find that download at summitforwellness.com slash 20 download. Al, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Um, it's my pleasure. If anybody wants to read some of the stuff, I write articles on my website every week and I have over 300 articles and it talks about all the things that we talked about and a whole lot more. They could go to my website. It's drdannenberg.com which would be D-R-D-A-N-E-N-B-E-R-G.com and 
Just click on the blogs and you'll see all kinds of stuff there. And my book, which is great, I mean, it, it just came out in paper book um, October 11th called Crazy Good Living. It's available at any bookseller and certainly is on Amazon. It talks about everything that I've just discussed and, and a whole lot more. Perfect. And I'll link to all of that in the show notes here. Do you have any social media yeah. channels? Uh, I am on Facebook and on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll link to your Facebook page okay. on the show notes as well. Okay, great. Okay, Al, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time, and I can't wait to talk to you again. I'd love to have you on in the future. Absolutely. It's been fun. There, there's, a, uh, there's one thing that th this is a, this is a, um, a draw for another uh, podcast. I am writing an article about tooth whitening. I had a question from another podcast that wanted to know about tooth whitening and I did a bunch of research and there are some enlightening things about tooth whitening and some potential systemic problems. That's a teaser, Ooh. right? We'll have to yeah, talk about that at another point in time. But and that's a really good point because I was going to talk about teeth whitening and I totally forgot. So I love that you brought that up as a uh, future podcast it's a episode. Teaser. We can play yeah. with that. Yeah, there, there's some interesting stuff. And this article that I would refer to was published last month. And it's the first research that shows systemic issues from peroxide bleaching. And it's very interesting. Great. I'm excited. We'll have to get that one scheduled out for the future. Perfect. Be good. I enjoyed it, Brian. All right, Al. Take care. Okay. If you enjoyed this episode of the Summit for Wellness podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews do help us out to uh, get us out in front of a bigger crowd. So anything that you can do to help us allows us to continue to help you. And we will see everyone next time.